listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seize Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. And you know, the amazing thing about this series, it's hard to teach a marriage series when you teach it to a church where there's people who are not married, there's people who are married, and there's people who wish they weren't married. Did I just say that out loud? But anyway, it's hard sometimes to teach a series when you're trying to cover something. But you know what? I believe that we have presented something in this series that fits every part of your life. I know everyone in here is not married. I know everyone in here is not in a relationship. I know some may be covering for or recovering from a broken relationship. And listen, we've got something for you. Celebrate recovery every Friday. We'll help you out with your hurts, your habits and your hang-ups. You need to be there. But you know what? In some time or another, these principles are going to work in your life. The principles that we're teaching you. Why? Because they work not only in marriage, they work before marriage. I heard this saying once and it really changed my life because I'm the kind of person, I get an idea in my head and and I think I can build that and I just go and I grab the tools and I start building it. I heard this once and it changed my life. Five minutes of planning can be more productive than one hour of unplanned work. Just to stop for a few minutes, just to plan things out. Five minutes can be more beneficial and more productive than one hour of unplanned work. So what do I mean by that? It's easier to get it right from the beginning than having to relearn it. It's easier to program something instead of reprogram. So if you're not married yet, this is good stuff because you don't have to be reprogrammed. You can be programmed and you can put things in place. And guess what? It makes you a really viable candidate. People want someone that's got it together and knows who they are in God and knows their role and their responsibilities and is managing their life right. And that's what we're hopefully being able to teach you. So on Sunday, we covered some key points about all the lovely ladies in the house. Ladies, do you still love me in the house? We told you some truth on Sunday and we're going to, as I said, revisit those shortly in the small groups. But I want to talk more tonight about making a commitment. Let me read a story for you. It says, 22-year-old Tommy signed at the back of his high school graduation picture as a gift to his girlfriend. And everyone said, oh, Mandy was her name. On the back, he wrote, dearest Mandy. His tongue protruded as he used his best handwriting. Anyone write like that? I do sometimes. And he wrote on the back of his picture, You're the love of my life. I promise to love you always. Yours forever, Tommy. And at the bottom he scrolled, P.S. If we ever break up, 
I want this picture back. (laughs) Unfortunately, promises don't somehow mean so much today. Promises don't tend to seem to mean so much today. As Christians, they should. And shall I tell you why, as Christians, a promise should mean something? Look what it says in James 5, verse 12. And sorry, Patricia, I didn't give these to you earlier. My fault. James 5, verse 12. The last part of that verse, it says this. But let your yes be no, and let your no be maybe. Oh, sorry, what did I say? But let your yes be... Come on, help me out in the place. Let your yes be and let your no be. Notice what it says, lest you fall into judgment. Another thought there is unless you be hypocritical or you be a hypocrite because you say one thing but yet you do something else. In other words, as children of God, we are to do what we say and say what we do. I'm sure every one of us in here could repeat in some shape or form a marriage vow. Most of us have probably quoted them when we did get married. Some of you who are not married yet have probably already written your vows. I think Megan probably wrote her vows when she was three years of age. And then when she heard Aaron was getting married, she probably wrote some for her too. But most of us in here know the wedding vow. We know I promise to love, honor, and obey. I promise to cherish in sickness and in health, whether we're rich or whether we're broke, no matter what, till death do us part. But really, do we? I mean, that's the promise, that's the vow that we make to each other, but do we? Here's really what happens so many times in marriages today, and that is this I will, but only if you will. I will, but only if you will. Or when you will, then I will. Can I tell you that's called a conditional promise. Say with me, conditional promise. Conditional promise. That's a promise with conditions. We promise to do those things, but under a load of conditions. I will be what I should be if you will be what you should be. That's not the vow that we make before each other. We say to love, to cherish, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. It's our promise. Not dependent upon what they do. It's our promise promise. To be honest with you today, most of the conditions that people maybe throw out there can be fully reasonable. I mean, after all, we want the right things. Come on, everyone wants to be treated and valued the right way, don't they? I mean, everyone should want that. I mean, you'd be a fool not to want that. And that's what we do want. But it should not determine what we give. If we don't get that, it shouldn't determine what we give. Their wrong doesn't excuse our wrong and make it all right. Let me say that one more time. Their wrong does not excuse your wrong and it doesn't make it all right. In math, in algebra, they say double minus 
makes a positive or two minuses makes a plus. Listen, that's just in math. That's not going to work if all of a sudden they're minus, they're minus, and all of a sudden there's going to come together as a plus. It doesn't work. Two negatives won't make a positive here. Listen to what someone sent me this week. This was something that was posted on Facebook. It said, these three phases of I do, the three phases, sorry, of I do and applying God's word. It says, saying I do is good. It's the start of God's foundation for marriage. Saying I am doing is better because it's an affirmation of action to God's word within the marriage. But saying I did is the best because it's a confirmation of performance of God's word for the marriage. So we can look and say I do or I plan to. We can say I am doing, which is great. But we need to make sure that we are saying that I did, no matter what, that person, because that's what God requires of us. A promise that is built on conditions is really a contract. It's a contract. And you know what a contract is, say, in business? A contract in business is an agreement that only stays in effect as long as both parties deliver. If one upholds their end, then the contract is going to be fine. But if one forfeits, guess what? The contract is annulled. Unfortunately, that is what we use for marriage today, a contract. And here's the problem with a contract. Instead of me coming to my marriage and surrendering my rights and increasing my responsibility, a contract does the complete opposite. A contract increases my rights. I've got rights. If they're not going to treat me right, I've got rights. And what does it do? It decreases their responsibility. If they're not going to treat me right, then I don't have to be responsible and do those things. Do you see how we have it so backwards that my rights, instead of being decreased, are increased. And instead of my responsibilities going up, my responsibilities decrease. If they treat me right, then I'll do. If they don't, guess what? I'm free from it. I don't have to be fooled with it. That's a contract. That's a contract. A contract marriage will never help your relationship go the distance. If you're in a contract with your husband, if you one day plan to have these thoughts in your marriage, you're going to have a contract and you're never going to have a relationship that's going to go the distance. The only thing the contract's going to help you in is when you go to court. And you're fighting over what's yours and what's hers. And how do we split the house? And we split that. That's the only way a contract is going to work in your favor. That you're going to get something out of it. God in his word does not instruct us to marry under a contract. But he instructs us to marry under a covenant. We're talking about making a commitment tonight. Making a covenant to each other. If you're taking notes tonight, you need to write down what a covenant is. A covenant is an unconditional binding agreement between two parties before God. When we make a covenant, it's an unconditional binding agreement between two parties before God. The word covenant literally means a cutting, to cut. In the Old Testament, when we would look at covenants, and I haven't got time to go here in great detail, but just trust what I'm saying and you can find it in God's word. 
But when we look at two people making a covenant with each other, there was something that they would do to symbolize or symbolic of the covenant they would make. Two people would come together, they would make a covenant, and you know what they would do? They would take an animal such as a bull or something like that. They would cut the animal in two and they would lay it on the ground. Then what they would do, the people involved, they would walk between the two halves of that animal. And then what they would say to each other is words of such effect. If I break this covenant vow, may God do unto me as I have done to that animal. It was a covenant in blood. How many would say that's a serious commitment right there? Come on, this isn't just messing around. If it doesn't work out, then hey, I'm still holding on to my rights. Not much responsibility. It's all about me. This is a fully surrendered, given the fact of a separating it. God do unto me that if I don't uphold my end of the bargain. Also, under the old covenant, when people would get married, what they would do is they would stand before a priest and a priest would take a sharp knife and he would slice the man's hand, he would slice the lady's hand and they would be bleeding from that wound and he would take their hands and he would join them together, symbolizing a cutting that now their blood was one together. And as he placed their hands together, he would then take a cord and he would wrap it around their hands, symbolizing the joining together, the covenant that they were going to make. Thank God we don't do that now. That wouldn't be a popular thing. We like the unity candle. We like the sand. I don't hear the trend coming in. Take a knife and cut our wrists. Let's go for it. But thank God today we don't have to do that anymore because we're under a new covenant and God shed his blood for every one of us. But that doesn't excuse us of the fact of the commitment we still need to make to each other. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 2. And verse 24, Genesis 2 and verse 24, it's still the same today as the day that it was written by God. And it was written under the old covenant, but still under the new covenant. What does it say? A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be covenant, cutted, joined to his wife, and they or the two shall become what? One flesh. Now bound together under covenant. A note, where do most people stand when they make their marriage vow, when they make their covenant to each other? You know where they stand? At the altar. And you know what? The last time I checked, an altar is always a place of sacrifice. The altar is always a place of sacrifice. When we stand and give a covenant to each other, we are sacrificing, giving fully of ourselves, making a commitment to each other. Therefore, a marriage covenant is unconditional. It's a surrendering of one's rights while increasing one's responsibility. Let me say that one more time. It's surrendering my rights while increasing my responsibility. That's the covenant. Now what happens? Here's what you've got to realize, that when we are in covenant with each other, we cannot do whatever we want anymore. 
Sorry. We cannot do whatever we just want to do any longer. I've seen this so many times in so many relationships over the last few months and years that people are saying, well, I just want to do this and I just want to do that. Too much of it in relationships today. I want to be free to do what I want. You know what? You're not free to do what you want anymore. You can make a choice to do that, but you're not free to do that because you've made a covenant with your spouse. I've said this to quite a few people and they don't like it when I say it, but I've said to them and looked them square in the eyes, if you want to live a single life, then stay single, buddy. If you want to be single, you should have thought about that. Come on, you can't make your bed and what? Can't have it both ways. What's Miss D say? You lay down with dogs? You're going to wake up with fleas. As a married couple, you now have responsibilities to uphold and perform. You've got God-given roles. The man's role is to lead spiritually, financially, emotionally, protecting his family. A woman's role is to submit to her husband, not to give in to the lies of the world, but to rebel against the world, thus submit to God. If she rebels against God, she submits to the world. We want some rebellious women God's way. They're going to rebel against the world and going to submit over to God. It's no longer your rights, but the responsibility to do so, to unconditionally serve each other. And this is the fracture point of many marriages that if it's left unaddressed, will end up breaking it apart. It's an awesome responsibility to enter into a marriage covenant and must in no ways be taken lightly in any way. And that's why we've tried to give you all the tools and the principles to help you A, to come to that decision, and B, to function in that decision. If you're not married yet, we're giving you the tools. We're giving you the understanding of what you're entering into, a lifetime. If you are in a marriage, then you need to start functioning and living in that and realizing if he doesn't treat me how I should, that I've got reason to leave. Sorry, it's a cutting, it's a joining, it's a covenant together. Many are afraid today of making a covenant like that. Why? Because we see so many marriages falling and failing. Or we see people who don't want to make a commitment. They just want all the perks that goes along with it. They don't want the commitment. They've conformed to the pattern of the world. This is what everyone's doing. You don't get married. You just live together first. I mean, after all, who buys a car without test driving at first? Come on, these are all the things that the world says. This is the pattern of the world. God says we're not to conform to that. Don't settle. What if it's the wrong person, Pastor P? I'm going to tell you right now, don't just settle for Mr. Right now. Think about that. Don't settle for Mr. Right now or Mrs. Right now. Maybe the only one right now, but it may, may not be the one right that God has for you. Don't settle. If there's a choice of 10 right now, don't take the best and say, I guess this is it. Wait for God to give you the best that he has. Be faithful. Wait. Seek godly counsel. Take others' advice. Pray. Take your time. We said it on Sunday morning, sweet girl, what? wake up. If everyone else sees you married to jerk guy, it doesn't matter what you see in him. If everyone else is seeing something completely different, they're not blind. They're not gathering together and saying, Facebooking each other and saying, next time you see such and such, tell her her boyfriend's a jerk because we're on the jerk campaign. They're not doing that. 
If everyone else thinks he is that, then guess what? He's that. We don't marry fixer-uppers, do we? We don't marry pieces of junk. We let God give us the best. Do I hear an amen? In order to go the distance, we must die to self. We must die to self. Perhaps one of the hardest things in a marriage is with two people's wills coming together and fighting for the dominance, competing instead of completing. We've got to die to self. And then we've got to join our hearts with one another and create a lasting covenant that will go the distance. A relationship with no conditions. I don't want to be in a contract with my wife. If she doesn't hold up her deal, then it's over. I want to be in a covenant that's unconditional, that no matter what, I'm going to uphold what I'm going to do, and I'm going to live to honor that covenant. And then we'll find love, then we'll find passion, then we'll find intimacy, then we'll find friendship, then we'll find fulfillment. And you know what we'll find with all of these? Years. Years together. Happiness. Join. Joining together. And we're going to go the distance. Come on, make that commitment. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.